0: No, Superman Forever Radio, the weekly podcast devoted to Superman. Welcome to episode 26 of Superman Forever Radio. I'm J. David Weeder, your mild-mannered host and tour guide through all of the Superman comics published following Infinite Crisis. As is the custom on the Thursday episode, it's review time. And this week's episode uh, brings us to Superman comics published with a cover date of July 2007, which includes the extra-sized action comics at number 850, Superman number 663, and Superman Batman number 35. Before we jump in, I want to remind you all again, there will not be a new episode of Superman Forever Radio this Sunday or next Thursday. As per normal, or whatever passes for normal on this show, I'll be taking a break in order to do some work on the site and work a few episodes ahead. That way, scheduling won't be quite as tight. And so we'll, the show will be back and we'll pick back up on May 8, 2011 with something pretty special on the Sunday episode. And then Thursday, May 12th, when we'll pick up with the August 2007 cover date. And don't forget to check out the SFR Daily Planet, bringing you the news from the world of Superman on an almost daily basis. And all episodes will be available at supermanforever.com. For now, let's play a quick podcast promo and then look at Action Comics number 850.
1: Rocketed from the doomed planet Krypton, the baby Kal-El was found and raised by the Kents. Now grown, Clark Kent, as Superman, fights for truth and justice. Years later, a rocket holding his 17-year-old cousin, Kara Zor-El lands on Earth. Now living in Metropolis, she fights for truth and justice alongside her cousin as Supergirl. Together, they form the Superman Family, and fight for truth, justice, and the American way. The Superman Family Podcast is a bi-weekly podcast that covers any and all Superman-related books that fall under the umbrella of the Superman Family. From Power Girl all the way to Crypto the Superdog. As well as all your favorite Superman-related news and much, much more. Join me for some Superman family fun, only at supermanfamily.com.
0: And the first issue we'll be looking at this week has the cover date of late July 2007. It's Action Comics number 850, which is Superman Family: colon, Celebrating 850 Issues of Action Comics, Birthplace of Superman and Supergirl, which was released on May 30th of 2007. The issue was written by Kurt Busiek, Fabian Nicieza, and Jeff Johns, penciled and colored by Renato Guedes, inked by Jose Wilson Malahes. Assistant editor was Nachi Castro. Editor was Matt Idelson. Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster. In the 31st century, Supergirl, who is momentarily stuck in that era, meets up with Legionnaire Brainiac 5, who has a new invention which opens a window to the past. Believing the device may help her get back to her era, Supergirl is hooked up to it and looks back on the history of Superman. From Kal-El's birth to a scene with the infant en route to Earth, Supergirl and Brainiac 5 watches life unfold. As Brainiac 5 calibrates the machine to look at the correct timeline, we see a glimpse at Supermans of past eras from Golden Age to the Burn era before finding our correct timeline. In Clark's early childhood, Martha Kent's brother Bertram dies, leading Clark to ask his father why she is grieving so heavily. Jonathan explains that Bertram was her last blood relative, and Clark takes it upon himself to explain to Martha that she's now like him with no blood relatives left. After viewing, a after viewing of Superman saving a space plane, which directly contradicts the debut in Secret Origin, Supergirl tells the Legion not to feel bad for Superman. He's famous. He's a hero. He'll never be lonely again. However, even Supergirl is shocked to see that Clark Kent, new to Metropolis, lives in a lonely, empty apartment, waiting anxiously for a, from a call from his mother. The machine jumps forward, and Superman is trying to stop Myra Berkowitz from experimenting with antimatter, but she, he fails, and she is uh, allegedly killed. Afterward, Clark Kent's investigative skills impress Lois Lane, and the two go out to dinner where Clark tells Lois about some of his early travels, but he's forced to back off to protect his secret identity, effectively causing Lois to lose interest in him and reinforcing his loneliness. Another jump in time as Superman is fighting Amazo alongside the Justice League and is happy to have people around him that he can view as equal. But that viewpoint has kind of changed when The Flash asks Superman for his autograph, thus... ...putting Clark on the pedestal and alienating him even more. However, as we all know, Lois does become interested in Clark... ...and we see a glimpse of their married life... ...and a very serious talk about the fact that they can't have children. The other, Another skip to Supergirl's arrival on Earth... ...Clark telling Batman and Lois in separate conversations... Uh, ...pardon me, conversations, plural... ...about how he feels like he's abandoning Kara in some way... ...or being too hard on her by leaving her at Paradise Island to train... But it does feel good to have family again. This catches Kara's attention, and when she sees a battle with Black Star, the supercharged villain that Myra Berkowitz became, Kara demands to jump into the fray, if only via her mental waves, and Superman and Supergirl are able to defeat Black Star. After the battle, Superman, actually Kara in his body, burns a message into a wall before they fly Black Star to prison. The message via Kara in the thirty first century reminds Superman that he is so not alone. And on her way back, Kara sees a glimpse of her future with Kryptonians on Earth and her parents still alive, as well as a vision of multiple brainiacs before returning to the 31st century and bringing the issue to a close. Okay, admittedly, this issue uses the full house method of flashing back to the past, but they do the flashbacks in between the cracks of what we've known and seen before. Plus, they found a way to include both Supergirl and the Legion of Superheroes in this issue in a, well, almost cohesive way. The Kara Zor-El version of Supergirl is Superman's cousin, as we all know, and shares his exact superpowers, and she did make her debut in the pages of Action Comics in issue 252 back in 1959, but that technically was not the first Supergirl. The first character named Supergirl appeared in Superboy number 5 back in 1959, but she actually did not have any true powers of her own. Her name was Lucy, and she was the Queen of Borgogna, and, uh, pardon me, Lucy Regent, and she actually came to attention for helping Superboy nab some crooks. Another Supergirl would appear via a magic totem used by Jimmy Olsen in Superman Volume 1, number 123 in 1958, and she would have Superman's powers and the appearance of Kara, but that would only last that one issue as she succumbed to kryptonite poisoning and Jimmy Olsen was forced to wish her back into non-existence. When Kara Zorel made her first appearance, she was hidden from the world by Superman and given the secret identity of Linda Lee, another LL, And resided in an orphanage in Midvale, a town, very small town, right next to Smallville. And this was the same Supergirl who would meet her untimely death in the 1985 issue of Crisis on Infinite Earths, number seven. There was another alternate Supergirl in the Byrne era, known as Matrix, and she made her first appearance in Superman Volume Two, number 26, in 1988. And the edict that at the time was that Superman should be the last and only Kryptonian, and this version of Supergirl adhered to that since she was an artificial life form created by Alex Luthor from a pocket universe. On top of flight and super strength and invulnerability, this Supergirl could actually shape shift, use telekinesis, and create a cloaking field that made her pretty much invisible. And that Supergirl would actually go on to bond with a teenager named Linda Danvers and become an earthbound angel. It's best not to ask a lot of questions on that that's its own subject on on its own (laughs) entirely now the supergirl we see here in action comics number 850 is once again kara zor-el superman's cousin she was sent to earth as a teenager to care for kal-el as an infant but her ship was knocked off course and she arrived on earth when superman was already an adult in superman batman number eight an issue that was actually referenced in this story during Infinite Crisis, Supergirl ended up in the 31st century with the Legion of Superheroes. Pardon me, I said Infinite Crisis. It would actually be during 52. And she would actually end up in the 31st century. And her, their title was actually renamed Supergirl and the Legion of Superheroes with issue number 16. And the main part of the story we see here happens during that time period. Now, Supergirl would return to our time in World War III number 2, exactly a year later, and only remember their experience with the Legion as a dream, which is kind of convenient. So chronologically for Supergirl, her return happened after this story takes place. And since we haven't touched on the Legion before, but we will down the road, I'll simply say that they are a team that began with Saturn Girl, Cosmic Boy, and Lightning Lad when they rescued industrialist R.J. Brand from being assassinated. Brand, inspired by the feats of Superboy, funded the Legion of Superheroes to be a uh, a group of galactic guardians. And they made their first appearance in Action Comics number 247. Due to a a lot of convoluted, confusing continuity, I'm going to leave the explanation of why it was so convenient that she didn't remember this particular version of the Legion until we see them again. Just when we get to that episode, remember to bring pencil, paper, and aspirin. Back to this issue, Supergirl, even at this point, is fairly new to to Earth. She hadn't been around for very long at all, and therefore really hadn't had a chance to, to bond with Superman which makes this issue uh, that's a very poignant one. The use of Brainiac 5's, Brainiac 5's time-viewing device created a very good opportunity to peer into other eras of the Man of Steel. In just a few short pages, we see an excellent look at the Golden Age, a peer at the Silver Age, complete with Zipatone pattern, and the Burn Era, late 90s era, complete with Mullet, and yes, it was a mullet, as well as a uh, reference to the B-13 era Metropolis. And we also see the actual birth of kal and a peek at his journey to Earth, which was a standout scene in which the infant wakes up during his journey and calls out for his mother. Clark's infancy is an era where there's been little exploration, for logical reasons, but the scene in the ship shows that his alienation and loneliness began even during his journey to Earth, and it's such a simple but heartbreaking scene. Another nice piece of emotion comes from Clark comforting Martha following the death of her brother Bertram. The art on this page is extraordinary, with the sun coloring the front porch of the farmhouse a golden yellow, the scene and the art make great synchronization and just make the reader feel for the characters, which is exactly what should be happening. The main focus of the issue is clearly on Superman's alienation, beginning with the trip to Earth and continuing through a lonely Clark Kent at his apartment, waiting for a call from Martha. The dinner scene, in which Clark almost slips up when talking about his travels and having to essentially push Lois away, reminds us once again of the sacrifice Clark makes for having a secret identity. Then there's the standout scene of Clark grappling with the fact that he and Lois can't have children. It's something that was discussed in the movie Rats and Larry Niven's Man of Steel, Woman of Kleenex, but we finally see that conversation and confirm that Clark and Lois both know that they cannot have children and then actually pushes Clark further into his alienation. For anybody that has dealt with infertility, the look on Clark's face tells the entire story. And we are treated to yet another installment of Clark's brooding in space while looking down on the planet. Look, we've seen this before, many times. It's just pointless filler in this issue. As I mentioned, the main message of the story is Superman's loneliness, his longing for his family, displayed over and over again from that infant in the ship, all the way up to the conversation about children, and how that loneliness is somewhat alleviated by Kara, the last of his blood family, his only living connection to his Kryptonian heritage for the moment. While the presentation had truly remarkable moments, the scene that the, the whole point seems a little buried, not to the point of being obtuse but the the message is clear by the end of the story but the reading experience is a little convoluted the sentiment is right but the delivery system is flawed not that this isn't a good read but it can't decide where its story really lies we're bounced back and forth through time and the gaps are still a little unclear at that time as this issue was released as it predates secret origin evidenced by the space plane rescue However, Renato Guedes steps up to the plate and becomes the MVP of the issue here. His facial expression really sells the underlying emotions of the issue and makes you a believer. Clark's longing for familiar connection is perfectly stamped without being heavy-handed. The infant Calell's distress, the adult Clark's lamentation of not being able to have the children with the woman he loves. And while the story jumps, the, uh, the art perfectly nails the emotional core and that saves this issue. It's thanks to the art that the mediocre story gets redeemed and gets a pull list rating. And if you want to check out Superman Family, it's reprinted in Supergirl Beyond Good and Evil trade paperback. And moving right along, we will pick up with Superman number 663, which is The Big Picture. It went on sale May 9, 2007. Written by Kurt Busiek. Penciled by Carlos Pacheco. Inked by Jesus Marino. Lettered by Richard Starkings, colored by Alex Sinclair, assistant editor was Nachi Castro, editor was Matt Idelson, Superman created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. The issue opens with a faux Arion in the Oblivion bar making a fool out of himself when he is asked to leave and meets the real Arion, who is about to lay a world of pain on the imposter. Back in Metropolis, Superman confronts the young gods, who are generally causing mischief around Metropolis. Light Ray appears and tells Superman to take the night off as he and his pupils can handle the city. Superman is reluctant but decides to take the time to do some soul searching, which leads him to talk with Lux Corp CEO Lana Lang, who tells Superman that if he quits his superhero job, he should contribute to the world scientifically. Lois sends Superman to go think about the decision, and Superman does, sitting on the moon. As Superman returns to Earth, he saves a young girl who is falling from a terrace, and this makes his choice clear. After bidding goodbye to Light Ray and the Young Gods, save for two that stayed behind unbeknownst to anyone, Superman goes to confront Arian, stating that he will not stop being Superman. Arion begins to lay a beat down on Supes, telling him that if he will not quit, Arion will make him his slave. And at that point of action, the issue ends. I, I really don't get the point of this issue. There was another issue of Superman moping around trying to figure out what he wants to do and for those keeping track that's two in a row sure they were amusing there were amusing sections like the the baby chemos and the young gods but these added nothing to the story in fact this issue adds nothing to the Camelot Fall storyline that the last issue didn't with the exception of the last two or three pages, the reader literally could have skipped this entire issue and followed the Camelot Falls run without missing a beat. And Pacheco, who I really enjoy, he was way off his game here. Superman's appearance kept changing from page to page, and the layouts weren't nearly as fluid as they normally are. It was just a, a blot issue all the way around, to be honest. I don't have a ton of notes on it. It just didn't grab me in any way, negatively or positively. And I'm going to grant this issue a rating of quarter bin and leave it at that. And if you want to follow this storyline, it was reprinted in the Superman Camelot Falls volume two, both in hardcover and trade paperback form. And you can get it at your local comic retailer. And finally this week, we have Superman Batman number 35, a story entitled B.I. It went on sale May 23rd of 2007. It was written by Mark Verheiden and Mark Guggenheim, penciled by Pat Lee, inked by Craig Ying, lettered by Rob Lay, colored by Daniel Levici, edited by Eddie Berganza, cover was done by Pat Lee and Craig Ying. The issue opens up with Doc Magnus negotiating with Batman and Superman to take over the security of Wayne Enterprises. It turns out that their break in of the facility last issue was a field exercise set exercise, pardon me, set up by Lucius Fox which just irks Bruce Wayne to no end, as it could have endangered the employees. Meanwhile, Superman questions the rotting Metallo as to what was in the facility that he raided last issue that he wanted so badly, and Metallo just simply says, I don't know. Using his x-ray vision, Superman spots a subdermal implant, a sort of cybernetic parasite proving that Metallo may not be acting of his own accord. Back at Wayne Enterprises, Bruce meets the Metal men, resulting in the artificial life forms being given one week to prove their worth. Even though Bruce has a very bad feeling, it won't end well. Sadly, Batman's normally right. (laughs) In the Batcave, Batman examines Metallo and determines that Metallo essentially has a computer virus in his brain. Batman is able to trace the source of the virus to a satellite station, and when they get there, the source is revealed to be Brainiac in the form of nanites. A battle ensues and Batman's spacesuit is breached, which prompts Clark to breach the hull of the ship, causing an explosive decompression, allowing the heroes to escape. Back at Wayne Enterprises, meanwhile, the new Metal Men security team overrun the existing security and evade the vault. And by the time Superman makes it to the facility, the Metal Men are gone with the goods that Metalla was seeking, a working OMAC. And that wraps that issue. Admittedly the issue, it was an upswing from last month's first installment in this storyline. While the art feels sloppy, even for a manga-inspired style, the story takes a decidedly dark twist. I've never been a fan of Batman in space or lending him to sci-fi elements, and that doesn't change here. But Brainiac surviving as nanites? Pretty surprised that hasn't happened before this in this way. However, as soon as OMAC was mentioned, I realized the gravity of the situation, and the issue actually caught my attention, for a brief bit. For the record, OMACs were invented by Bruce Wayne, and act as a cybernetic one-man army by possessing the bodies of others. It was the same program that went sentient in Infinite Crisis, and caused a ton of problems, and bringing that back into the fray here really heightens the sense of danger looming right behind the storyline. And of course, the question of artificial life versus biological life is addressed, in a forum that could make it compelling and an interesting read, but it's pretty much dropped for the sake of action, which kind of basically drags this issue down a little bit. I mean, the issue has a lot of weak points, but at the same time, it still manages to scrape out a decent read, despite its meandering. So I'm going to give Superman Batman number 35 a rating of quarter bin. So let's hear another promo, and then we'll look at what else happened in the D- elsewhere in the DC Universe before wrapping this episode up rocketed as a baby from the exploding planet Krypton. Kal-El grew to manhood on Earth, whose yellow sun and lighter gravity gave him fantastic superpowers. In the city of Metropolis, he poses as TV newsman Clark Kent, but battles evil all over Earth and beyond as Superman. Superman in the Bronze Age is a weekly podcast following the adventures of Superman from 1970 to the Fern Reboot in 1986. Follow along at supermaninthebronzeage.blogspot.com. Elsewhere in the DC Universe, Superman also appeared in Blue Beetle Volume 2, Number 15, in which he teams up with Jamie Reyes, and they discuss good and evil. The same month... Superman helps defend Washington D.C. from an invasion by way of Paradise Island in Amazon's Attack number 2. Supergirl fights her inner demons in Supergirl volume 5 number 17 and at the end is surprised by another Supergirl ready to do battle. Wonder Woman also fights her own people and faces her resurrected mother in Wonder Woman volume 3 number 9. And then it's a dark look at the future of Gotham City where Damian Wayne is Batman in Batman number 666. Green Lantern continues to fight the Star Sapphire with the rise of the Star Sapphire Corps in Green Lantern Volume 4, number 20. And Bart Allen The Flash comes face to face with the Rogues and Inertia with potentially fatal results in Flash, the Fastest Man Alive, number twelve. And in ironic timing, the Justice Society and the Justice League help some stranded some time stranded memory lapse legion of superheroes recover their hidden teammates in the Justice Society of America number six. And Justice League of America number 9. And finally, 52 ends this month, but rolls directly over into countdown with 52 number 52, and then countdown number 51 through 48. Issue 48, it should be noted, features the death of Light Ray, which we just saw in this issue. Continuity confusion? I think so. But that's what was happening elsewhere in the DC Universe for cover date July 2007. And oddly enough, that brings this review episode to a close for this week. As I mentioned, I will not be back Sunday or Thursday, and I will return on May 8th with a very special episode of Superman Forever Radio. So I hope you will join me there, and also join the uh, SFR Daily Planet, bringing you the news uh, from the Superman Universe as it happens. I thank you all for listening to Superman Forever Radio, episode 26. A production of SupermanForever.com. As always, you can find the show and leave a review on iTunes. Or visit supermanforever.com and of course the show is a proud member of the Superman Podcast Network where you can find other great Superman podcasts covering all eras of the Man of Steel at supermanpodcastnetwork.com. Drop the show an email at mail at com, or follow the show on Twitter. The username is at superman, the number four, ever, Superman Forever. And you, be, you can become a fan of the show on Facebook. Simply search for supermanforever.com. And press the like button. Leave a voicemail at the call in line, which is 703 95 Super. That's 703 957 8737. Superman and all related characters, the distinctive likenesses thereof, and related elements are trademarks of DC Comics, a Warner Brothers entertainment company. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only, and no profit is made from the images or related properties belonging to DC Comics or Warner Brothers Entertainment. Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. And until next episode, keep on fighting the never ending battle.